Are you ready for your punishment, slave? I sometimes scream out, no. When really, I mean, yes. Yes, yes! And this is why we have the safe word. Until we hear the safe word, we will not stop. She's not a Christian! You're getting sugared off your tits. Isn't yeah. that your stripper name? No. Sugared no. off my tits. We're recording, by the way. Hey, this is uh, Jason Rouse. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, uh, Cole Shit on His Balls Parker. <laughs> I've been promoted. <laughs> and uh, we're down here on a uh, extremely hot day at the, uh, mm. at, once again, at Starbucks here on Melrose. Uh, in Hollywood, California, and we just did a, a little hike on Runyon Canyon. Who needs studios, eh, when we've got free stuff just anywhere we go? What's free stuff? You know, like, you just go and sit down in someone else's establishment, which they pay the rent on and the bills for and the electricity for, and just use their shit. We don't need a studio, do we? No. No. We don't need anybody. No. Now, now we're a team now, and that's not the case. We're a team. We're anything but a we're team. We're fucking doomed. Well, first of all, uh, who are you? Uh, my name's Cole Parker. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Rouse. And uh, what is, uh, what's your story? Um, I am a reprobate from the UK. Uh, I've known you for how many years now? 10, 12? How long have I had this, this stress lump for on the back of my shoulders? Uh, that started the day after we met, I think. This huge lump, I've got a poison that I need to have removed from my face. No, that's from you letting truckers come on those zits on your back. Hey, man. It, I, Cream is expensive. So we, we we met in London, England, and I was uh, continually uh, warned to stay away from you, and you been able to shake. <laughs> your, your, I've your, driven this motherfucker up your, so many motorways in the UK, and then had to like literally frisk him down. <laughs> I watched him destroy a comedian who died at a Leeds Festival once. This poor good com good comic, a guy called Arnab Chanda, who died on his sorry hole at Leeds one afternoon. Do you remember that? You were there. And to his credit, Arnab stuck it out through the booing but what does and this the have abuse. To do with you? And then on the way back, you're just trying to paint me as a horrible person. We, no, I don't need to paint you. There's evidence. Then we got in a car, and do you remember what you did to that poor boy? The next day, we were at it's Reading not that Festival. Big of a deal. It was just funny, mate. It he was died. Just, he did die, didn't he? We've all died. Took his own life on stage. We've oh, all, and uh, to center him out is a uh, as an anomaly is not the case. We're old road comics, basically. We've known each other for years, gigging up and down the country, and got into quite a few scrapes. And uh, he's the reason why my life's fucked up, actually. And for some reason, there I still like go. the Pass man. the buck, Parker. <laughs> Nothing's my fault. The whole <laughs> world's <laughs> out to get me. But we, yeah, we met in London. Uh, yeah. We've done a handful of gigs together. Not always good ones, either. We get, get booked on some really just terrible stuff. But in comparison to what we're dealing with here on a regular basis... Uh, that some of those shitty gigs in England look pretty good about now. I've got to say, I think most of our gigs were actually really good or had the potential to be great. They're either festival gigs or they were big yeah. purpose-built club venues. Me and you never really did small stuff. The smallest gig I ever saw you do was with Michael McIntyre a few years ago when Michael, I am not a thief, McIntyre, um, he didn't want to follow you, did he? Did not want to follow you. Well, that happens. I don't know what the reason was behind that, but uh, yeah. more importantly, who gives a fuck? I don't. You used to share a stable, didn't you? We're talking about you. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, mate. I'm just, you know, I'm fucked. Look at me. I haven't got the answers. <laughs> <laughs> now, some honesty. See, that's hilarious. You, you are 
and anybody who knows you is nodding their head going, yeah, he's totally fucked. Yeah, you man. are an, uh, a mess on mm-hmm. so many levels. Thanks. How do you... Uh, Get up in the you, morning? Yeah, you wake up and look at yourself <laughs> and go, cunt. Um, well, as you know, in my country, uh, the, the C word is a term of endearment, so I rarely say that to myself. I'm not... All right, then yeah. you look in the mirror and go, ah, oh, fucking fanny face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> when did it all start? First of all, you were born where? I was born in southeast London um, on the border of Kent, a place called Bromley, in 1974 to a casually racist white father and mother who are from Newcastle and Lambeth in London, respectively. Your parents are Geordies? Uh, my dad was a Geordie. He moved down when he was very young. But all my extended family were all Geordies, yeah. Okay, Geordies, somebody from the north of England, Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Specific, which is quite nice. It's, I was pleasantly surprised. I'd gone up there to do a university gig, and uh, it's beautiful. Known for being hard people because they're the first line of defense against the Scots. It's the most northern English ah, town. okay. Beautiful. They have some, somebody told me that it was spared during the bombings because Hitler wanted to make it the capital. So there's still a lot of old architecture yep. intact and stuff. But uh, very well known, uh, yeah, <laughs> extradited. Um, they're very. They love their football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, do you know that? There's not really a lot going on up there. It's like a kind of working class city. Uh, they've got the football club. You know, uh, they're no, they, they, they were shipbuilders. That's what they were up there. They were, and they've got like a very strong, impenetrable, strong English, Northern English accent. I do love the. I prefer the north over the south. To be honest with you. All depends where you are, but I mean, it's shit and nice bits Where's all over the UK. Where's a good city at the south of London? What's a good place? What in Brighton? Okay. Oh, excellent place. Great. One of my favorite cities. Yeah, Bournemouth's not bad, but Brighton's Brighton's kicking it. Bournemouth. Brighton's great. I like yeah. Bristol as well. Yeah, Bristol. Okay, so okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Bristol. Uh, um, what was the one with the, the gay? Uh, Cardiff, Ivor and Wales. No, no, no. So you said it first. Uh, with the beach, with the cobblestone. Bournemouth. Oh, Brighton. Brighton. Brighton's really nice. Yeah. It's really cool. Very, very gay. It's very it's like the San Francisco, isn't it, of uh, the UK? Yeah, I suppose. it's it's more arty. It's more bohemian mm-hmm. atmosphere. Great graffiti, street art, cool little boutiquey kind of shops, and and really neat. Like I, spending a weekend in, in uh, doing the Comedia, which is a great club. Awesome club, yeah. And one um, of the best clubs in the UK, actually. Yeah, it's it's consistent. They they've really taken the uh, kind of improv blueprint of comedy and uh and 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 ex- it made it work even better yeah yeah stephen grant's run a tight ship there he's, he's responsible really for everything that club's become and yeah fair play to him really it's yeah. you know it, it, like it is a, it's a massive success story and why not mr grant i think is uh is fighting the good fight he has his hand in a lot of pots and uh it makes it work he does i don't think they'll ever have me back i don't think it's unfortunately my my visa's expired and i can't really uh we can sneak you in god there's so many people sneaking into my country we could paint you up like an indian or you look eastern european we could put you on the back of a truck and drive you over yeah but they have a thing called a passport how about if we just you know do it the old-fashioned way like we just chop you up and then just reassemble you the other side the only reason i'd come back is if somebody brought me for something spectacular that's that's never going to happen i've seen your act that will never happen Unless I need a new guy to clean out the it shit happened. at London Zoo. I've done... Are you questioning me, my ability my and, and my God. resume? <laughs> because um, if you, you could come to, over. You could come over to, you know, to be but to, to do what? Well... Everyone's had their fill of me over there. Well, do you know what? Actually, from what I'm hearing at the moment, although it's still a million times stronger than any circuit 
in Los Angeles, or in California, certainly. California the, the, doesn't um, have a circuit, though. Yeah, exactly. But it's the, got a bunch of monkey bars and tires. The UK circuit, from what I'm hearing, has dropped exponentially. And I saw it's that. such a shame. Yeah, apparently it's gone from like, have supporting 250 comics, you know, making a good living every week. Yeah. Apparently it's only like 50 or 60, and the others are kind of getting, they're getting part time jobs now. Yeah. The, the bubbles burst them. Yeah, it, it, but it had a good one. What a great bubble, though, because like when the boom was in the 80s in North America, it, comics were just doing North America, but the boom in, in England, it, it opened up, it was like you were going everywhere. You, you know, there was a regular rotation of probably about maybe 12 different countries. There's probably still about 1,000-plus gigs in the UK, probably 1,200, 1,400 gigs in the UK. And if you look at, like, we're only 800 miles long, and, like, the last 400 of it, you know, half of it isn't yeah. even touched with comedy. You know, like all yeah. the Highlands of Scotland and stuff and yeah. the Outer Hebrides and that. Um, you know, we still have a lot of gigs, man. Jeff, yeah, in Jeff comparison. has got like over 100. Um, it's spreading into Europe as well. Yeah, Asia, Middle East, Eastern Europe. Should we explain so, to the listeners who Jeff Whiting is if you're not familiar with the, with the UK circuit? Take too long. All right. Um, but Big circuit. So you, you <laughs> when did you start doing stand-up? Uh, my first gig was at the age of six. I'm, we're not even going to go there. That uh, we're not. This is my podcast, and we're not doing you with an ice what? cream cone as a four-year-old. That doesn't count as a, a gig. You see my Facebook page. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it looks like an autistic child reaching for an ice cream cone. That's exactly what it was. But they clapped, they laughed, and they came back for more. Just because you whipped out your dick as a four-year-old in front of a room I didn't whip it out. That wasn't me. That wasn't my... I'm not hairy. That, that was, there was sovereign rings on that hand. So... When was your first professional gig? My first, well, I, as I said, I, I had a stab at it at the age of six and loved it. I've always been a big fan of comedy, uh, alternative comedy when it broke, when I was preteen and just followed it, followed it. Um, I actually got on stage, my first open spot was on the 22nd of July, 1998, for a guy called Brian Damage at the Oval Comedy Club. And I did five minutes, I was the opening five minutes and all my stuff was really dark and nasty and said too quickly, but with charm. But somehow it worked, and I blustered through, and I had a good show. And when when did you have your first stinker? When you just oh, probably not long after that. But I mean, stinking out of the gig means something different when you're a new comic, doesn't it? Because when you're a new comic, you let's say you're playing to six people in a room above a pub in a you know shit part of London on a Wednesday night. If one person coughs during the gig, as far as you're concerned. You, you know, someone laughed, you've had a decent gig. As you move up the echelons and you end up, let's say we're playing a festival, let's say there's a thousand people, and let's say half of them don't like you. That's still 500 people who are like enjoying you, but as far as you're concerned, because of the ratio at that point in your career, that's a shit gig. Yeah, you, know? you do, over time, you have a more broader and well-rounded measuring stick of mm -hmm. what, what's quality and what's not. Yeah, yeah. Now, what, um, what was the worst gig? Because... The thing is, when you're a bad gig in, in Los Angeles is a, a very different thing than a bad gig in London. Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, you could you could be beaten within an inch of your life or something by a rival football team or some political... It's not as bad as that. I mean, you've got more chance of getting punched anywhere in the UK than you have in America just because we don't have the gun threat. Like a skinny little guy's going to go home and... Camden uh, Jonglers on a Saturday Late Show. <laughs> that is like going into a ho hornet's nest with a fly swatter. Mm -hmm. It can yeah. be really good. But I like, 
I like the hostility. What did you see? I mean, what did you witness during your time in the UK in the way of like people getting too aggressive, audience members at gigs and stuff? Oh, I, you know, I got a couple of attacks. You got a couple of attacks? Yeah, a couple of people attacked me. But uh, With what? With weapons? Or with uh, a woman verbally? with a shoe. I had some glass thrown at me one time. Do you know what the material was, the offensive bit? Which made uh, you I had to go, oh yeah, shut up, you cunt, you're disrupting the show. No, okay. it's just drunks, mainly um, just drunk women. I never really had a problem with dudes because they were like, they got it. They got the jokes, but sometimes hammered women, usually in a collective, like a group, a table, they would tend to think that they had enough ammunition that they were going to de dethrone me with their disapproval yeah. of it. But um, no, I had some of the best and, and the worst moment. Tunbridge Wells. I tanked so bad there. Oh, God, I know that gig. But it the wasn't the bad. It was just kind of like... The off-the-curb gig in the art center. Yeah, yeah. Theater. I played that several times, yeah. Did it once. That was one of my earliest gigs in, in, the, uh, in, in England. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was horrible because I had no point of reference. It was just old, wealthy... Conservative, right-wing, yeah. southern just, English. I, was, I had shown in. I was really felt like the village idiot in their town where they were just like... But then, um, what's his name? Um... He, he does a joke about his eyes. You can't see my eyes. Uh, oh, Simon Evans. Yeah, he ripped it. That was his, yeah, yeah. his back. But, but also, he's very sort of well-spoken, Simon Evans. Pardon me? He's very well-spoken, Simon Evans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, they you know, they, they it, immediately it identify with him. Yeah, of course. It's, of it's course. a class thing, you know. He's, yeah. He's, his opening line, I believe, is, uh, if you're struggling to place the accent, it is, in fact, educated. Yeah, fantastic. Um, he went on. But, we, we you know, it was an, uh, I like working with people like that, too. He's a good guy yeah. and he's funny, but... Do you know what? I struggled in my formative years as a stand-up because um, facial symmetry. I, I didn't have the face for stand-up. I looked like a boy band member and I, I should have been, you know, fucking on my knees in a, in a green room somewhere instead of on a stage at a comedy club. Because what, what happened to me was I'd start doing gigs like Up the Creek and John Glow's gigs and stuff uh -huh. and you got all these hen parties in there, all oh. these like women on a night Kiss out. Kiss of death. Yeah. And I'd walk out and they might go, woo, when I walked on stage, which would make every man in the room hate me before I've said a word. You're like an attractive woman. Yeah. As a comedian. Exactly. And so what, the, what damaged me there was to compensate for that. People are Googling your image right now and go, this guy looks like dog shit with I know. sunglasses. Good, good. But see, that's the whole point, though. It, <laughs> I knew it wasn't the right face. It was so frustrating because it meant that in order to combat this kind of, you know, uh, this... This reaction I get. Why do you think Craig Campbell's got a beard and long hair? I'd get, I'd get really, really blokey. I'd get like start getting really kind of quite crass to get the guys on side or keep the guys on side. Yeah, and then when I when I got to the point pandering. I was talking about what I wanted to talk about to make sure the room was settled, you know, I try going into some clever topical satire after you've just done a, you know, a joke. What was my signature joke for ages? I met my girlfriend in school. I never forget the day. She was playing hopscotch in the playground, and I was doing a tarmacking job for the council. That joke became the bane of my life because I think it only tanked four times ever. I think that was the fourth time that I just did it then. <laughs> it fucking tanked. So it meant I had to do it every gig. Ah, hated it. Where's, what's been some of your low points and your high points of, as a performer? My low points in my career have been um, mainly like what's right now. This is this, this is rock bottom. This isn't a good one. This is <laughs> I've rock been in bottom. better studios. I'll be honest. Um, oh, I'd, you need an atmosphere. No, it's I mean, quality of what you're saying. People landing landing my own TV show was obviously a high point. Is that but, like 
gambling show, the poker show? Yeah, yeah, it was good. That was like filming in 20 countries. It sold to 24 countries. I got ripped off the fuck on the payment. Yeah, that's I got, how I, that works. Yeah. It's great exposure. Oh, yeah. It's, no, no, this is I, as an agent. It's great exposure. Well, but there's no money. Yeah, but it's good exposure. I got paid 11 grand for it, plus the money that I won on it, which is another five and a half, plus about another sort of four grand in clothes and about 20 grand in the actual experience of being flown around the world in these top hotels. But the show sold to 24 countries. And you pissed it all away. Well, that's not really a lot of dough, mate. 15 grand. I mean, no, most people, yeah. That's nothing. That's, that's so, uh, what is that, uh, rent for a year? What was I doing? Well, I was make, making good money as a stand-up at the time as well, so it helped. I was living well. Yeah. But, you know. Those days have come and gone <laughs> for all of us. I think it's a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? Because it is feast and famine. I know. It? I hope it is a weird thing. Okay, so uh, that TV show, but I mean as, as a stage performer, is there like a television thing or a, a night that you had, you were amongst elite, you know, great comedians and you shined in that moment? I think, yeah, there were certainly moments, um, you know, where you, where you see something magical has happened in a room, like whether it's Cognito's rift on a crowd. Oh, that's right. Incognito. No, you. Oh, nights that I've done, not nights I've witnessed. Okay. You keep yeah. introducing other sorry, sorry, personalities into this conversation. I'm very modest. This is your moment to shine, Parker, and you're pouring yes. a litter box out yeah, into yeah, yeah. a Do muffin you know tray. What? Do you know what? I got, a, uh, I got an encore <laughs> once. Once. Not, not just once, but this particular... No, they were applauding this, for you to get out of McDonald's because you were pissed. Got, was at the Glee Club in Cardiff. Oh, great, great, great club. One of the best gigs in the country. 500, it was full. I was, was banned from there. The were, owner of the Glee showed up with all his mates for his bachelor, and uh, I died. Oh, really? And they were all in the front, and he, the guy who owns the place was this guy. No, 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 the guy who owns all the Glees. Okay. Uh, I can't remember his name. But he and he called Danny and said, "I was just, I don't want him back." Danny had to talk uh, him into having me back, but he just saw me like an, an anomaly. I always ripped that place, but I just I skipped the beat, and I don't know why he'd come to his own club to sit in the front. I know that's with horrible. Ten of his friends. It doesn't sound. I like saw that. Jim Jeffries die horribly at Birmingham Glee once, just doing what he always does, which is generally well received and brilliant, but tore into a heckler way too hard. Um, so I'm at the Glee. It's a packed Saturday night. I'm, I'm on in the middle, doing the t uh, middle 20 spot. Everyone's done well so far. Simon Bly is comparing, who's a kind of middle England, quite safe fact. Been going for a while. Lovely guy. Uh, he's having a great night. He's comparing it so well, but he's doing way too long, way in between the acts. So before he brought me on stage, he did 20 minutes. On top of the opening acts, he'd already done 25 you know, on top of a compare that had done 15 before that. So by the time they, they got to me, they, there's a lot of them, they want to piss, they're hungry, they, you know, they want a cigarette. Now they've got me. Yeah, they're d distracted. They were so good. An insult to injury. Hello, my name's Cole Parker. <laughs> Flush that toilet and let's move on. I, I mean, you know, everyone can recant gigs in their career, which are fantastic, whether it's a festival or a TV gig or something, but just... I did about 26 minutes on that stage. I went over my six minutes. And you were tanking? Uh, no, I, I just ripped the fucking roof off. It was beautiful. <laughs> but I did about eight minutes of material. The rest was all just stream of consciousness and playing with the crowd. And I got an encore, which I couldn't take because, or rather I didn't take because I thought it was the middle act. It was the wrong thing to do. So a crowd that tired, who still, you know. And I'm known for being, I suppose, somewhat inconsistent. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're known as flop sweat on the circuit. <laughs> you know what the flop sweat is? Uh, well, just in I've the, got it on my balls I, right well, now. Well, it all depends on what kind of gig you play, but I mean, I used to get so bored. I used to write so much that I wanted to change things up all the time. Really? I, yeah, because I don't like doing the same act. You see an act who's been doing the same stuff over and over again. I haven't seen you do any new material. Yeah, you have. You even can, uh, talked about it at my last gig. Last two gigs, in fact. Look at that. Uh. We're being uh, some wildlife close to us. That's nice. It's hungry. It wants some crumbs from your... Uh, That's nothing, I'm afraid. Yeah. But they, they're pretty cocky. They, the bird just came up, jumped, and chirped at us, opened his mouth like, feed me, asshole. I don't know. So I mean, obviously, there was things that happened off stage which kind of affected on stage more, like becoming a single dad and then hanging around, you know, some of the, the big boys in school, like, you know, the Glenn Walls and the Crane Cables and the Phil Nichols and stuff and getting quite heavily into chemicals. Yeah, they had a good run. All everybody. For it's amazing. While. No one died. Mm. Yeah, it's a. Uh, that was the thing, man. It was like the eighties in the, in the '90s. Yeah. In England, you know. It it really uh, it's it's unfortunate that the economy is so bad that they, it's dissipated quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really uh, I can't tell anybody if you want to go study stand up. There's no better place than London. Start in London and travel all over the UK. It's a good base. Yeah. There's a lot of gigs there. Comics go there to sharpen up from all over the world. Yeah, it's a proper. Uh, it's got a long history of theatre and, and stand up, and it's just a. It's, it's the strongest circuit I've seen. Plus, I think you get more international talent either based there or, or um, uh, consistently performing there. And I think the Edinburgh Festival is a good uh, a hub for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a shame the Edinburgh Festival is so exploitative towards the act, especially now they're starving. Um, because they charge so much for the venues and for, you know, for all the other marketing stuff. Oh, yeah, and you're looking at about, tw uh, to do it right, probably about 25000 bucks. Yeah, a comedian can go up there, they can sell out a venue every night for a month and come away and like just be lucky to break even. Yeah. And they'll only get their money back maybe like four, five, six months later. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, it's it's a very survival of the fittest situation. Somebody's there. making money up there. <sighs> There's a, can you imagine how many million pounds that come through there in a month? That's ridiculous. It's, it's millions in 30 days. You've got people from all over the world, but you know at least it's in place. There's something. You know what I mean? It's good. It's good kind of place for one-stop shopping. I got you know all my management out of there and agents and all that stuff, and I wasn't even doing my own show. You had a fantastic, well, what was reputed to be uh, probably the best management in the UK over there, or certainly the biggest. You was with Off the Curb, weren't you? I was for about four years, I guess. I've been doing uh, everything on my own since. Some of the reasons that have been um, sort of. Uh, listed, stated, declared uh, for the reason why the, the comedy circuit's kind of taken a dip in the UK beyond the recession has been a lot of really sanitized TV comedy, yeah. which again, well, which sadly, ironically maybe, off the curb themselves with their production company, Open Mic, produced a lot of it. Um, what's your view on that, on, on comedy, on uh, mainstream TV? You know, it's like anything. If it, be, if it gets overexposed and people get too familiar with it, it's not cool anymore. It's not exotic. And what they see on television is how they, they use it as a standard for all stand-up. So when people come to a show, when they've spent you know, their whole experience of the art form through the comfort of their living room, and you sh yeah. comedian shows up who's a, 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 you know, a little more um, fringe or whatever you want to call it, 
they, they, they literally look at you like you've come into the living room and had a shit on the floor. But uh, there's a ways around that. You just become a better comic. Well, a lot of it, of course, is um, they, they've been accused of like, putting a lot of their own acts on there. Which may or may not be well. It's a lot of it is well, true. It's business. Actually. It's yeah. good business. Yeah, it's of course they're going to put so, their acts. But I mean, but they do. I so somebody like American uh, that have uh, production companies that have a stable of talent that they uh, work with. I think the European ones will, will look a little more outside of their own. They'll, they'll team trade a little more. It's a little more broader. It feels like this, we're ready for another revolution like alternative comedy was itself. It feels like the television comedy in the UK certainly has got back to how it was in the 70s with instead of comedians picking from a pool of jokes, they'll now pick from a pool of topics but all have similar executions, ideas. It's incestuous. Yeah, and because it's all sanitized for like, you know, for a, a blue rinse, that's what they call them in the UK, but you know, like basically like a kind of prime time at home audience. Mm. Um, there's nothing, I mean, for example, you would never get on the TV over there. Incognito wouldn't, a lot of my stuff We're wouldn't. in England? Yeah. I've been on television like six okay. times in England. But I'm talking about the primetime stuff, the sort of like, you know, the Saturday night Michael McIntyre stuff, you know, because all this, what I'm trying to say is this stuff is very, very safe. There's nothing that's really stand-up-wise on television that's really pushing the envelope at the moment. No, that they strayed from that. They strayed from that. But now I think, uh, uh, you know, David Tell is doing this uh, road work or underground comedy show and it's uncensored, it's more free. It, I think that is going to be a, a great platform for comics that don't necessarily get that mainstream television exposure. Yeah. So I think people are looking, because there's alternative mediums to watch and hear stand-up, it's allowing uh, a more of a uh, outside-the-box pl platform for comedians to do what they do best without being under the thumb of, uh, of advertising and, and yeah. a company, you know? So it is changing. I just hope I'm around long enough to, uh, it, you know, have some of the uh, joy of that. But <coughs> as it stands now, you know, I've, I've ripped these, these clubs apart consistently. And, uh, but because it's not fashionable and I'm kind of a, a, a unique individual, there's not really a lot of uh, um, momentum off of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's more about kind of... They're all staying around a burning house and wondering who's going to run out first. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of... I don't know. It's, it just seems slightly too formatted. Yeah, it is. It is. But because of that, there's going to be a backswing. There always is. It goes up like this, and then yeah, it comes yeah. back this way, and it goes all the way... You know, it's a continuous circle. There's no way that this... Uh, boy band aspect of this stand-up is going to stay. People are going to get sick of it and going to grow tiresome of it. Isn't it incredible that that whole kind of manufactured mentality has now crept across all of the arts and is now even in stand-up, which we'd have thought we'd been the only one that maybe could resist it. Um, apart from actual, I suppose, artworks, paintings, etc. But, you know, for uh, across music and all the shows, you know, all the kind of vaudeville stuff that's kind of brought back now, which is now mainstream TV entertainment, it's just, it's just bizarre that stand-up it's now become like the rest, like Quick Fix, who's the next Quick Face. I mean, there's nobody... Well, there is, but who can you list out of really good circuit comics that have never had a chance, which should have been massive? Yeah, but that's usually to their own devices, you know. Those are just some people who are... They're talented performers, hard to work with off stage. you know, can't act, can't, you know, stay sober, can't be dependable. There's a lot of other factors. Just because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a great performer 
and you can bring the house down, it doesn't mean that you're a viable commodity. There's, yeah. there's plenty of brilliant people who never see the light of day in, in, in show business, you know what I mean? It's a, um, those are just, you know, it, there's, there's a lot more going on than just having a great show. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's 1% of 100, you know what I mean? There's a, it's not based on talent. Who have you been impressed with um, in the U.S. comedically? It's not on television. You know, there's like, the, you know, Burr and Attell. Those are like consistently. Yeah, I yeah. love watching that. But no, like there's no, nothing. I don't know. Pablo, uh, I'm going to forgive me. I'm going to get his name wrong. Pablo Manasculo. Pablo you Pablo Francesco? Yeah, oh, yeah probably him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Pablo. He's great, yeah. He's a force Fantastic of nature, comic. but he's not like an up-and-comer. Pablo's been a mainstay in the American yeah. comedy circuit for decades. But it's, yeah, it's, but it's a circuit I've only been exposed to for the last few years, so I'm still finding my way. But well, I mean, it's very uninspiring. There's cell, I have to walk Flip out. Schultz is a, is yeah, a rare right. diamond in the, in the rough. Um, Eric Myers, you will disagree with me on this, but I think for performance alone, uh, Brett Riley. Mm. I don't have any uh, opinions on any of these. Okay. I don't really give a fuck about what other people are doing. There's um, <laughs> there's an incredible <laughs> amount of people. My, oh, mind my, you, though. My opinions on what other people's careers are doing, I have. Oh, I don't mean I don't mean how the careers doing. I mean how you know we rate them professionally. I mean I say these but people have st these people I think could actually transfer and work in the UK as they are now. They wouldn't even need to change that much. Mm, but they'll they'll never make it over there. They can't. They can't get. They don't have the idea. When you discuss comedy in Europe to an American, that you may as well be telling them about the the, the uh, Narnia. You know what I mean? It's fucking. It's. But uh, they speak English. I think Eric might. Eric made a crossover. I reckon just with his p pure character alone. Is this about Eric or about you? I'm just talking about how nice the circuit is over here. But thanks for uh, keeping me in check. Yeah, the circuit's not nice here. There is no circuit. When have you done a, a, a string of gigs together and got paid? That's a circuit. This is a series of, of like cakes and everyone stands on the top of the wedding cake and waves and then you go over to another cake, but it's all cake. It's just <laughs> fucking cake. But uh, I'm glad it's here. I, you know, I'm glad I'm living here. And, um, but I do uh, uh, long for uh, quality stage time. I'll go back to Canada and do a, a bunch of open mics back to back and Op open get some mics. repetition. Or just get like a new show going. You should be yeah. writing it here and trying it out over there, shouldn't you? That's what I've been doing. That's that's the plan. Jason and I have been going up to Runyon together like a couple of gay dads <laughs> and workshopping stuff. And uh, it's not so bad when it's a two of us. I brought a friend of mine the other day, so it meant Rouse had an audience, which meant I spent the entire hike just like every piece of dog shit that he passed. Just, hey, cool, someone's doing your act. <laughs> Are you saying I'm repetitive? Uh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but you talk a lot of nonsense. It's like one plus one equals cunt. Jesus Christ. It's like... Who's your maths teacher? There's No, but that's how you do the math. You you say something to me and expect me to nod and say, yeah, yeah, one plus one is cunt. What? When it's all t it's always going to be two. Are you all right? Can you yeah. see me? Yeah, I can see you. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like you will 
What? Not see the 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 error in in your. Oh, you mean roof. if I'm not if if it isn't you that's talking, then it's right. I'm not so I'm confused. No, no. Okay, I'm trying to think of an example. You say. I oh, think you're better off just pointing at the dog shit. I think you're right to start with. I I'm would, sorry. You'd be like, yeah, I've. Like this fucking porn star is driving me nuts. <laughs> she can't get her shit together. <laughs> it's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh. How can you not see that this is? This is bad out of the gate. Oh, uh, you know, this girl, she just got to the mental hospital, but she won't hold my hand in public and she keeps eating her own shit. I don't know. Hey, I don't think it's hey, working out. Hey, you leave Shelly alone. Who's Shelly? I know, I made that up. Oh. I just, I, I tried to give, you know, some credibility thought, to your I bullshit. Thought, I thought his name was Doug. Hey, you leave Doug Shelly alone. You are prone to pick some of the worst individuals to partner up with in the hey, opposite Hey, hey, let's just, this is a family show. Let's just keep it nice, shall we? It is nice. Fucking See? hell. And then I have I've seen someone have you don't burned the victim truth. dwarves that you've dragged back to your nest. Yeah, but it's not. We're not talking about I me. I can bring him down with a weighted net and a tranquilizer gun. <laughs> like rhinos. We've got to roll them up in a fucking net. <laughs> roll them up. <laughs> roll them up in a net and drag them back to your cave. <laughs> <laughs> you got to beat them with bats just to get them to open no, their but, eyes. But as a quality human being, yeah, I I don't have the the romantic horror stories that you come back with daily. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, hey. I never go, oh, these fucking, I can't believe it. This <laughs> this duck walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and it's a duck. Why won't it stop being a duck? You're just, you can't, I go, it's always going to be a duck. And you're like, why can't it be a swan? I go, because it's a duck. I've got a thing for poultry. <laughs> no, you got a thing for fucking ducks. It's like. Parker, look out for that house fire full of fucking dead Hey, food. hang and on. you're like, Wait, let me get my sunglasses. I'll be right back. I think I left some toast on. <laughs> and then you get angry at me for saying the truth. Do you realize you sound like a couple of gay bickering dads? And if people could see you right now and you're wearing a black wife beater, your shorts have ridden up and all your tats are on show with your skinhead and we're in West Hollywood. I'm all in white with a, a top that's got I love me on it. And we do look like a couple of fruits, mate. No, have you been in West Hollywood? The guys that are in way better shape than you. Yeah. You look like someone stuffed some yogurt into a T-shirt and then spit into it, cut out some fucking hairs. Give me life. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Pinocchio, but if he was made out of dog shit and had dental floss in it. <laughs> <laughs> you really let yourself go. Uh, what were you, when you look in a full-length mirror, do you just weep and go, I just, I just I sit there with my head in my hands, just like, you know, cursing God. That, that whole boy band shit that you had when you were starting out your career, that's not even a factor anymore. They're like, oh, my God, this this homeless guy. I, yeah. You know what it looks like? The, the guy that you thought was going to do well in school but didn't. <laughs> now he's, like, yeah, pushing you, a trolley around retros. You're typical, like, the most popular guy in school who now... Not really. Not at all, in fact. You know, you weren't popular in school? I went to an all-boys secondary school. I went to an all-boys school, too. I went to Ravenswood School for Boys. It was quite. There was a mixture of kind of kids with money and also Retards. kids from, like, tough estates. And some say the hardest kid in our school was actually um, come from uh, money, actually. But, well, it was Nouveau Riche. Can I stop you for one sec? I went to a similar school, except it was no a privilege. It was all the, the academic dumping ground for all the worst of the worst and disabled people. So you've got surprise. You've got serial killers in waiting and yeah. full on uh, you know, various mental illnesses and yeah, yeah, muscular yeah. diseases and it was it was a, a kidnapped girl, he cut off the feet of a crow because it was caught in some chick wine in his garden. Oh. It was just like nasty, nasty motherfuckers. Scum. 
Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, you know... You had to, you had to wear a uniform. That's kind of standard. David Bowie was like an old boy of Ascot. He's the most famous guy who went to Ascot. And look at what happened to him. Uh, he was expelled at the age of 14 for dyeing his hair green, but they used to boast about him being an old boy, like they had something to do with his creativity. But it turns out... What's an old boy? Uh, like, a, a, used to go to the school. He was a member of the school. David Bowie was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with uh, Keanu Reeves. He got kicked out of uh, acting school in Toronto. What a fucking surprise. He's terrible. No, he's not. Keanu Reeves? You watch your mouth. He's Canadian, buddy. He's shit, man. He's fucking no, he's terrible. It's, I thought, when last time I saw him on a movie, I thought someone had thrown a chair into a room. He's terrible, mate. Name a film he's been good in, apart from Bill and Ted, where he's playing like a shit fucking idiot anyway. Where he, oh. You know? Point Break. No. The Matrix. Did you even try and say cardiovascular in Point Break? He's awesome. I think this is if an he, incredible if insight in, into in, you. If he walked over here <laughs> and sat down and said, what do you got to say about me in my career? Yeah. You would, piss would run down yes, your leg I and would. you'd kiss him on the cheek. And this go, is amazing. Can I just hang out with you and your dick for an afternoon? You've got a man crush on Keanu of all the people. You're covered in tattoos. And I, you, think, uh, I think he's talented, dude. You know that David Gaffin apparently married him on a beach? Did you weep when it happened? Were you banging against the doors well, going, no. Married. Da uh, David Geffen, the story Keanu Reeves is married? I don't follow him that closely, but I, I, I recognize him. He's very distinct. David Geffen, of course, being one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. Uh -huh. In order for Keanu Reeves having a career, he got um, basically him and Keanu. They, uh, they played the pink oboe together. They banged? Yes. Yeah, I heard And that's how he got his career. That. Yeah. No, I don't think that. He might have no, enjoyed his company. No, I wouldn't give a <laughs> shit if he, he had to suck a dick. He's not the first person to blow somebody in Hollywood to move ahead. Yeah, but you just do it for fucking Wendy's. You you do it for uh, for, for in a and burger. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, telling, get. you telling my listeners that I suck people off for hamburgers? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's not a vegetarian, folks. He's been lying. Then what do you do it for? I don't. I know, and you Parker. keep offering, but he keeps I doing do. this to me. We can be walking up Runyon Canyon, and he'll pick the fattest troll who's clearly like been sweating for hours in a Californian heat, and he'll say, hey, how much do you eat her out from behind? How much, Coulter? Pull those <laughs> flaps apart and put your face in there. All right, I will, uh, let's, let's, what, what are my, uh, what's my problem? What, what's you think problem? I, I'm repetitive? You think it's singular? You think it's just one? I don't have any problems. I'm, I'm a quite well-rounded wow. well individual. <laughs> People like me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've got unfinished tattoos across your breastbone. You haven't got any problems, really? I haven't had a chance to get it finished. But really? it's there. It's there. I don't know. Do you have any tattoos? You still got that teardrop near your asshole? Do you know what? <laughs> brown tear? It's funny you say that. I, uh, I've never had any tattoos. I nearly got a tattoo when I was 16 years old, and thank fuck I didn't. Why? Because I was a vain little child. As I oh, probably, probably would have been horrible. What would you get? Karma, that, karma chameleon I was going across to your asshole? Very close to that, man. Because I, I didn't know what it actually meant, but I nearly got one, two, or I was toying with either one, two, or three teardrops on my cheek coming out of my eye. That would look horrible. Yeah, it would look terrible because I thought it made me like a Pyro doll with my cheekbones and stuff, but it's a prison. T isn't it like a tattoo? You have a tear for every person you've murdered in prison, isn't that? What I, it's I supposed think it has to? a variety of me uh, meanings. Yeah. You, I'll, I'll, when next time I'm around my friends that have those, I'll, I'll puzzling not ask them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to be good news. No. When you've got a teardrop tattooed on your face, there's no good conversation around that. You no. You just smile and nod and go, how's your mother? Yeah. <laughs>
But you wouldn't get a tattoo. I like it. I think at one point I'd want my skin back. I mean, I might. Who knows? I mean, it's not like I'm in great shape, is it? You need to look good. I, I think body art looks great in other people. And I find like tattoo girls quite attractive. Yeah, because you're always drawn to girls with issues. Any girl that's got a tattoo on her face. On her face? No. Yeah, of a, a, a tattoo of her face of a better looking girl. No, I'm not. That, no, there's a, there's a cutoff point with me. I won't, you know. Trust me, there's never been a cutoff point with you ever. I've seen some of those fucking scrags you brought in in a wheelbarrow. They're rubbing their own shit on their chest. Is this yeah, projection? Is this? Are you are you passing your your life onto me? That Volvo looks like it's been washed too many times with oh a hammer. Oh my god! So we're sitting in Hollywood, of course, and we're watching all manner of different kind of freaks and terrible cars and lovely cars. Now and people kind of appear be next to us. You like uh, you like girls, right? Oh, uh, that's the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> what um. Because we've both had these discussions on how... Uh-oh, hang on. Where's this leading? Awful. Get your hand off. How the um, how the people here... Because I kind of talked to you into moving here. I yes, did talk did. to you into yes. moving here. Yes, I what used to have a family and a house back in the UK. So you have a nice house and a beautiful wife and a child and everything. Child from a previous relationship, but still she lived with us. And then after one of these trips from Leeds down to London, with Jason Rouse in the car, that led to me being... Homeless, on a couch in Los Angeles, divorced, without a house, listening to a, listening to a German shepherd eat itself out in a corner of the room. Where was that? That's where I was staying with some friends over Christmas. In the dog ate itself out. It was horrible, man. I went to bed every night, and yeah, it was. It sounded like it was eating a plate of chops. <laughs> <laughs> it was foul. It was the last thing I heard when I went to sleep, and the first thing I heard in the morning. Did you give the dog bubble? Oh, gum or it was something? foul. It was an old dog as well. Oh, stinky old rat dog. The owner. When you wanked in front of it, did it cry? Uh, no, but I could still hear it going. Sometimes it was hard to finish. It's been a. Uh, there's been some low points here for both of us. I mean, there's been I cry in the shower too. every morning. Sorry. I cry in the shower. You surprise me. I get on one knee and I weep and I piss <laughs> down my leg and then I beat off and bang my head against the wall. Just to set. Just another just, Tuesday night. Just to set myself up for um, things. Yeah. But the weather's great. The lifestyle's There's fantastic. There's highs as well, mate. And there's other things in the horizon. I mean, I've never been put up for so many TV shows. That's the flip side of being in Los Angeles. I will get like maybe two auditions a year in the UK. And when I go in, I'll be just another white guy born in the 70s with this accent. Over here, I'm still exotic. And, you know, I can That audition. was my whole point of the conversation about you moving here. I go, you can go do 100 Edinburgh festivals, but you do one LA stint exactly. in a year you're going to cover way more ground and you're going to be more appreciated. You're just another asshole in the London circuit. You're a dime a dozen. I'm having more of a chance because I'm exotic and I'm talented. Oh, you yeah. are a bit like a, a kind of glorified card trick as a performer. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, because I write clever jokes, don't I? And I use personality and conversational wit. People, I don't just well, talk about like punching children in the face or fist-fucking nuns, yeah. I've got content and depth. My... Um, my audience is reflective of my talent. Your audience? You mean Dave? I have a large <laughs> following internationally. You got one right now, actually. I got one? You got a guy following right now. That guy? And the, hey, turn around, guys. I got him. What? <laughs> oh, I get it. You're, it's Big gay following. Look, he's doing your act. Old yeah. piss bag Johnny over here. Hey. So, know. 
But uh, do you have shows coming? I know I like to do promote shows and stuff, but as uh, as you know, as I do, and people are listening, we don't really find out about our shows until maybe a week before if we're lucky. Very short notice over here, but then again, it's different. You don't really get paid for a lot of them. The, the paid stuff you do you still get booked up in advance, but. Whereas in the UK, you'd like book up like your your diary, life diary, sort of like four to six months in oh, advance, something yeah, a year yeah. in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you might like you might be in March and be going, well, my October looks a bit thin, or my November's looking like need some help, and but by then you kind of fill it up. Yeah, it does happen in six to months increments. Like, I remember when I'd first moved to London, I got a, a gig sheet, and it was uh, for nine months. Yeah. Every weekend for nine months, I yeah. was like. Dubai, yeah. England, you know, Newcastle. and you earn well out of it. I mean, you can earn like easily, you know, we was earning like a thousand to you know to fifteen hundred pounds a week, uh, working three nights a week, sometimes four, yeah. doing something we loved, double ups and all that. Yeah, and you, you, you know, at the gigs I look after you. It's all free drinks. It's free food. I yeah. mean, over here you do the gigs for free. You got to buy your own drinks. You got to pay for your parking. Some people got to pay it's, to get on stage here. It's fucking ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. I've been having the, and the standards uh, so much lower. Uh, I was having this conversation with uh, Jeff Richards from Saturday Night Live. Who? Jeff. Anyway, we're talking. Oh. It's like no one's, no one's, they've devaluated, devalued? Devalued. De- they've taken the, the, the <laughs> stock of stand-up comedy and plummeted it. So it's not, it's not worth anything. It's such a shame when it's an art form you love. But as you said, the flip side of courses over here, um, you know, I audition a hell of a lot. You know, I can get anything between. A, a slow week is two auditions. What is that process like for you? And, but generally, it's like, I can be like, I audition every day. It's, I, get, I get put up for lots of stuff playing Brits, obviously. Or yeah. I can do Aussie accent. I can do like a plethora of accents. My American's probably the weakest, but I could still get callbacks for commercials in the American accent. You do like. have a, a commercial, you're English and you're, uh, you're not disgusting. You know what I mean? Because there's a stereotypic, you're, you're not typically English. Like you're, you're, you're a strong five in LA. But maybe you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're such you're, a cunt. You're about a <laughs> nine a in England. Because your knuckles don't drag. And you're exotic, so. Oh, oh! Taking your act to the hospital. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, we've had some fun here. What if, uh, well, let's let's go through. What do you, what do you do when you wake up? What is this? The depths of the interview. What do I do? You want to talk about you me cleaning up. my teeth and like cleaning the cheese out under my helmet? That's this you is what you want to hear. Some, that's the thing. You're not circumcised. I'm not circumcised. No, because I come from a country where we don't mutilate children's penises. I get it, and I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a, I think it's a bad habit in North America, to do that, uh, to uh, mutilate a, uh, your genitals like that. You know what? If there is a God, I don't think He really wants you to cut into your children's cock. But who wants a dick that looks like an anteater anyway? Oh my God! Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're old, your foreskin just gets fatter and fatter and fatter. It looks like somebody like did a like a saline injection into an earthworm or something. I think it looks like a kind of like a kind of beige monk. You know, or an like old-fashioned monk where you a, can't a, see his face under the hood. A child's thumb that's been burnt with a blowtorch. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it's been yeah. it's been insightful. <laughs> oh, um, I forgot to hit record. Oh, we can start over again. Okay. <laughs> is that your is that your weekly joke? Is it? Uh, I don't know. See, I'm still struggling with how this podcast is good. It's all conversational right now, but I really don't. Uh, care about people that much and i don't uh, want to expose too much of myself to the general public anyway so but um what the, what are, what's the plan 
Well, I've got some things coming up and coming out soon. I did a shot a movie the other year with Nick Swartzen and Flavor Flav. Um, also, I like Nick yeah, quite yeah. well. And who else was in the movie? Rick Overton was in it. I think I made the trailer actually. I'm playing a Cockney bouncer in this teen stoner comedy called Body High uh-huh. about these um, these potheads in California where weed is legal, as we both enjoy it. And they develop- we'll come back to that in a minute, but finish your story and then we will talk about this marijuana culture. Sure. That's quite fa- fascinating. So yeah, that, so these uh, these guys they develop a strain of marijuana which is a an incredible aphrodisiac for women. And of course, hilarity ensues. You know, there's like gangsters getting what involved. What happened to and blah, whiskey? Blah, blah. Isn't that an aphrodisiac for women? Whiskey? I don't know if it's an aphrodisiac. I don't think like just the fact they don't fight you off anymore is really means they're into it, Jason. I think it just means they're unconscious, mate. I remember a friend of mine told me that lemon gin was, they call it panty remover. Well, what, back in your village? Where's yeah, this? In Hamilton. A buddy of mine went to high school with. Oh, God. I'm like, oh, I'm dating this girl and I yeah. fucking can't. She's not going to fuck me, blah, blah, blah. He goes, get some lemon gin, buddy. Basically, what he's saying is drug her. Drug the woman, and then you can have sex with her. We we were dating for ages. I was trying to be a gentleman. Was she aware of this? You should, like, wonder who you are. Oh, it was a bad man. I was totally misguided as a a youth as far as approach to women and how I I had them in this kind of strange cage of, uh, you know. Are you you confessing to a rape? Mm Mm-mm. No, I mean, oh, I was dating this girl for over a year, and we never had sex. How old were you? I was 38. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good memory. No, no, I was like 18. Yeah. Well, that happens at 18, doesn't it? You know? I didn't know, and I was trying to be as, as courteous and gentle, and then she broke up and then fucked some guy like a week later. Maybe like, she was waiting for you to do it. Maybe if you. I tried, been, and then there was a lot of withdrawal. Was you still into guys back then? Was that before you'd really kind of made the leap? <laughs> Trust me, anybody who knows me knows that you can't really hurt my sexual history. No, nobody can. I think it's that damaged. It's that fucked up. I mean, how would you, you know? It's that fucked up. (laughs) What, your sexual history? It's ruined. You must have everything. (laughs) I reckon they probably name things after you. (laughs) Some poor girl will leave the clinic being told she's got a, she's got aggressive rouse. <laughs> <laughs> they spell it with a G. I've got a bad case of the grouses. Um, no, I'm fine. I've been uh, tested multiple times. I get tested every year for everything. Yeah. Except spelling and grammar and manners. No, I have manners, but my spelling and grammar is not very good. It's gotten better considering how, what I came out of my academic career with. I had a scholarship. I've won a, a, a highest award that you can for writing and television. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? In Canada. I learned, uh, I learned um, <clears throat> uh, how, like when, the, when Word came out, it helped me so much with grammar and spelling and stuff. And I would meticulously, because I was so focused on the language and, and how it was worded, because I, I had to really pay attention to look at things, my uh, uh, work came out quite well. Yeah. You know, you're asking about um, magical nights that we've been involved in comedically. Uh-huh. I saw one over here. I can't remember if you were present or not. Were you there that night at a comedy store in Los Angeles when Rowdy Roddy Piper was on stage? Uh, I wasn't there. The night when he choked out the Marine. Oh, he strangled a Marine? Mm-hmm. 
Was it was it a physical thing or, or no? Like a it was a late night show at the Comedy Store, the original room. It was about one in the morning. There's about four audience members, about maybe ten comics at the back of the room. And, and he was a Piper fan and just wanted to be strangled by Piper. He was. Th it was two was Marines. They were about up? 21 years old. They were like corn-fed American guys. They were like six foot three. They were built like brick shit houses. Good-looking guys, square lantern jaws, buzz head, drunk as motherfuckers, right? Yeah. And they've rolled in. They're being deployed the next morning, right, to Iraq. So it's their last night they're, out, they're and they're probably scared. Up. <laughs> they've walked into the comedy store, and he's heckling Roddy. With just uh, the, he kept saying the same thing. What do you think of queers in the military? Just like kept ruining the show. Hey, queers in the military. What do you think of queers in the military? And Rowdy stopped the gig. Roddy stopped the gig, and he said, "Um, he said if they're willing to, you know, to die for Fight, the country, yeah. you know, I don't see what the problem is." And this guy's getting angry. Well, that's your opinion, man. That's your opinion. But they kept talking and talking. Anyway, Rowdy's trying to get out a story, and he's offered to uh, if anybody's a fan to come up on stage to be choked out, and this marine who's been shouting out, thought he'd be tough enough to give it a try. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. This Marine got on stage, Rowdy got behind him in a proper wrestling chokehold and talked him into it. He said, okay, here we go, five, four, three, there we go. And just as he went, yeah, yeah. he knew exactly at what point, his, his legs buckled, he went down on the floor. He was back up in about, he was out for about three or four seconds, but when he came to, he was bewildered, didn't know where the fuck he was. And he sat down quiet as a lamb and enjoyed the show. It's a good reset. Isn't it? It's like getting punched in the face. Yeah. That was pretty exciting, by the way. There's uh, I actually, <laughs> on, uh, Can we name them? We probably shouldn't name them. No, we don't name them. It doesn't, it's not, but it was quite funny to see somebody uh, checked with a punch <laughs> to the face. It was the execution. There was one comic. There was a guy, the story you told me was a guy who's being a dick around a group of friends. He oversteps <clears> some <throat> boundaries. It was alcohol related. And I know he's not a bad person. He just was shooting his mouth off in a, 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 a social circle that wasn't really tolerant of that. Yeah. And uh, he kind of overstepped some boundaries. I think he could, took license because I was there and we kind of had a rapport in, in the past. But, uh, but he had warnings to leave and had requests to leave and to He and was to so out of stop. it. I don't think he was picking up on the signals. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, insult to injury. Ding. Wasn't it one of the comics said, uh, I'll give you $20 if you knock this guy out? Yeah. And the other guy got up and he punched through him like wet paper. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> it was something special. And the funny part is, is when after he did punched him, he hopped back and smiled. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine. I, told, I go. I go. Here's my impression of you, mate. I know you can't see this, but he goes, whack, and then goes, <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> waiting for the guy to react. Probably yeah. yeah I didn't want to steam yeah, it. Yeah, uh, it was boot something fucking. special. And I, you know, <sighs> I spoke to the guy, um, uh, the man in question, who's a mutual friend of us both. And you know, he said to me, "It's good to be back." Are <laughs> oh, you talking to him about it? Yeah, yeah, we're close friends. Yes. What, he called me about a gig? Don't shake your head at me, Ralph. Called you about a gig? Sorry? Yeah, yeah, I, we did gigs together. We did um, San Miguel together back in January and stuff. Is that the casino? No, no, that's a different one. That one was horrible. Casino? You did San Miguel Casino for Laugh Factory? No, that like, might be oh, somewhere else. You think so of La Jolla? No, no, no. It was a casino gig that they're doing uh, on the weekend. It's not very nice, but... So busy. Oi, I gotta take a fucking... Huge. I got to get the mud whistle out. Well, do you know what? It's been uh, a pleasure just sitting there reminiscing about how my life's been fucked up since we met. <laughs> yeah. But you were already on that path. I, I was like off that so path. So you telling me I haven't contributed anything to your quality of life? 
The jury's Why out, Why do you mate. keep me around? I don't know now. I think now it's literally, sick. it's the better the devil you know, isn't it? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, well, we need, we need to go home and fuck then. I'm because be sick. I hate you. I'll put some <laughs> fish and chips in your mouth. <laughs> Where are you gigging next, Rouse? Where oh, it's not going to make any point, is it? By the time this goes out, the gig sort of fucking happened. Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have anything until the new year. But well, I'll be at the Laugh Factory, and you can find me at the Improv. It sounds like the, the great news with what you're doing is that you're, you're going to have this brand new hour soon. It's going to be very, very exciting, and you're going to be touring with that. And so it's you have got a lot of fans out there, so they'll, they'll love seeing the new stuff. I'm going to put out an EP. Uh, I was going to do a full-length CD, but I'm just really not happy with how the recording went. And uh, then I will, uh, I'll, do, I'll have a new album out in the uh, early next year. Well, all new, a very fresh new Jason Rouse. I do something special like every seven or eight years. Like a joke. Jason, it's going to be great. It's, uh, it's a pleasure fucking up my life uh, with you witnessing it all and abusing me every step of the way. Yeah, we're, um, we're like Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Which Dumb one and Louise? I know the dumpy, dumpy one that shit standing up. That's me. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Cole. Thank you very much. And good luck. And uh, I'll be looking out for you because I've got money on your suicide. So Yeah. And I'm giving you a lift home. So uh, that'll be another reason. <laughs> <laughs> Murder, suicide then. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Don't kiss me on the mouth. Don't ask if you're hurting me. And if you hear the safe word, stop what you're doing immediately. Do you have pantyhose? <laughs>